that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Relentless, remorseless, has pounded caught and star into submission. And welcome to another edition of the Race Hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, Dermot Nolan is not in bookmakers.co.uk towers today. He is away, but he's also, he is here on the line. Demo. I most certainly am. How are you, Dean? Yeah, really good. And uh, Paddy Aspelt has joined us. Uh, still in rehab, Paddy. Yeah, still in rehab, lads, but making progress and going in the right direction, thank God. Good man. Now, we were treated to some absolutely stellar racing uh, last weekend, Friday and Saturday, of course, from Cheltenham. We also had uh, a Sunday card at Aintree. Uh, we're going to cover off some of those runners. A little uh, bonus for everybody listening to the race hour this week. Instead of us just talking about Keith Donoghue, we actually spoke to Keith Donoghue. So that's coming up uh, on the podcast after we do our little spin uh, through some of the runners from last week. So um, let's have a look at them. I thought probably one of the star performances of the weekend was St. Calvados. It was a good tipping weekend for the race hour, wasn't it, lads? Um, St. Calvados doing the business at Cheltenham, but there were some other big ones. Our dancer put himself in the Arkle picture. Uh, Mulcahy's Hill was very impressive, actually almost joining in late to uh, dot away with the race at Cheltenham. Dermo, you landed on one with Kel Destan as well. Um, decent race in Dermo. Where would you like to start from Cheltenham? Yeah, of course. So all the four that you mentioned there, St. Cavados was a great show by yourself, Dean. Uh, was punted like he wasn't going to lose, wasn't he, as well? Um, he was seriously well-backed. Um, they definitely made the right decision on the race because he was also entered elsewhere, but um, just a bit of class told, didn't it? If the ground had been a bit better, Dan, we might have won a bit easier. He might have, yeah. I, I think he actually he enjoys that ground anyway. Um, oh, he does, yeah. yeah. you know, and he was kind of booting away for them. Just interested to see now after the, the breeding up where, where he'll end up. Uh, I've never been the biggest fan of him at all at all. Uh, I think he's only got one way of running and that's a problem when he gets to the to the highest level. But kind of, if that's all he does now for the season, sure, you know, isn't that enough for connections anyway? But he'll be one of them now on a heavy ground Tingle Creek or something that, you know, you could see him finishing third if, they, if he can just hold on with a bit more restraint onto himself. But he was decent. Uh, Kate Esteem was decent as well. More from the point of view that Torpillo just, just really seemed to bottom out because he was backed as well. Like he he just wasn't going to lose. Um, and he was put away. And the one horse as well from from Cheltenham before we move on to Aintree or anywhere else, uh, Mulcahy's Hill deserves a massive mention. I mean, this is a horse mm. who who nearly died at Cheltenham in March. Uh, he's a horse who was knocked down by a car before, apparently. Um, and he just seems to keep going. And that performance was brilliant. And Adrian Heskin uh, is absolutely flying. Like, it's 11, 11 winners from the last uh, the last few weeks, and he's he's absolutely booting them home. And that ride was just one of real restraint. He let Holstone do most of the work, got to the last, and he just harried him up to the front. It was a it was a real patient and just why I'm such a big fan of that jockey. And Mulcahy's Hill, he's hard to know what he'll do, but he's one of them again that in the future I could see him winning like a Welsh national or something like that. You know, he's one of them. Um and uh, it was a very good performance. But it wasn't even about the horses per se this weekend. It was just great to see jumps back. In, uh, mm. in such fine fettle and last weekend's finishes their close finishes jumping the last at Cheltenham and everything else really leads you beautifully into what is now a cracking weekend of racing ahead of us Dean. 
Yeah, I mean, they had some interesting ground conditions to uh, contend with, didn't they, Paddy, across the tracks, uh, certainly at Cheltenham. That Keldastan race that we mentioned now, I know you were quite keen on Torpillo after that big run at Chepstow previously. They, I mean, Keldastan didn't run away with it. They might be three decent horses at the front end in that race, including Soviet Pimpernel, because they all finished they all finished pretty much in a heap until Torpillo just tired after last. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think on the day I was working myself and, you know, we did have plenty of, of, of punters getting in contact regards the route maybe that Daryl took, yeah. um, you know, up the straight. But, I mean, the thing is, look, it was the first race on the day over hurdles. So I don't really think, you know, the ground was very wet. It was still raining on the day because obviously they, they, they had an inspection. So it was very loose. I mean, look, when you don't win, you're always there to be shot at. But I don't really think it was the ground in the end. I just thought that obviously Harry got that run up the stands rail with Kel Destin. But Torpillo had to give him six pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, but they were given Soviet Pimpernel um, Wade as well, who I thought ran an absolute stormer of a race. Sylvia Pimpernel for me was was the horse to take out of the race because he's lower mileage than, than the other two. Um, but I was impressed with Caldesta. I mean, he's a real grinder, Caldesta. He knows how to win. And the thing is, the other day, they didn't ride him how they normally ride him. They just took a lead. And I think he quite enjoyed not having to do all the hard work. Mm. Um, but it was a good staying performance. And he likes Cheltenham. But, you know, he's a very, very straightforward horse, Caldesta. We had a couple of real lovely stories as well on the card, didn't we? We've like Deborah Hammer's horse under Tom Bellamy, to be fair, winning that per attempts. Derma, I know you said last week on the pod that that was one that would definitely be trying, and it went in at a reasonable price, eight to one. Probably shocked a few people afterwards. It did, it did. It just seemed to drift all day as well, which which is very odd because again, they're the most yeah. honest set of connections that you would ever ever come across, and. Uh, Again, that was a real that was a real hard race to watch. Actually, wasn't it? They were they were all just they were it was whoever could finish the least slow was going to win that race. And he's um, he's nothing if not just absolutely packed full of heart that horse. And what a dream horse for connections he has been. Um, and even the run last year in the pretemps and he'll just be built up again towards that again this year and. God almighty, we'd all love to own a horse like him, wouldn't we? We would. There's, there was a horse, another winner on the card, Dermot, that I think you were a fan of maybe a season or two ago. Uh, Slate House won really nicely for the Tizards. Yeah, he might be back. I put him up for the Supreme, I, I, I think it was, one of those stupid odds. Um, and I always have taught the world of him. The thing is that he might just be one of those horses that kind of peaks this side of Christmas um, and then can kind of just fall away again he, he can prove that wrong definitely because especially with the tizards uh, their horses tend to just really reach their their peak the later on in life that that they reach so i think he'll he's one to be definitely noteworthy of but uh i'd be kind of watching him with interest as opposed to rushing in next time to back up deep okay some other stories as well that come out of the friday i mean obviously fergal o'brien had a wonderful uh, cheltenham meeting didn't he everything he was running was running out of its skin uh, including a couple of big winners on the friday there was also a winner there for paul hennessy and danny mullins with um heaven help us winning the 420 on the friday i mean some cracking um stories to come out of cheltenham paddy yeah it was very good wasn't it he's a big dog man isn't he um the, Hennessy, yeah, <laughs> he's won. He's won the English Derby twice, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a great interview with him, and um, you know, it was it was a proper, you know, he was even saying like, there's only himself and some other fella do the whole job in the yard, you know, and yeah. just incredible. It's such a big day for uh, for such a small team, but um, you know, I mean, they took some scalps here, you know, because obviously Master Debonair was sent off short six to five, and you know, yeah. was well talked about, and uh, the, the mayor I spoke about, I thought she ran a real nice 
race um, get a river in against the boys um, skeletons yeah you know yep. so it was it was a real good effort by heaven help us and you know it was it was like you say a real lovely story on the day yeah, do you know what? It's fascinating because Fred is obviously quite well hyped and I thought Fred ran a big race there under, um, well, I mean, tactics that maybe didn't suit on the day and they've both been, well, the Master Debonair as well backed as if defeat was out of the question into six to five. Yeah, that'll probably work out really nicely, that race, and be one to uh, to keep an eye on where they all go. Uh, Paddy, I've got to ask you about Al Dancer. Um, pretty no-nonsense performance and a, and a good victory in the novice chase. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the thing I liked about him was, you know, we did talk about being worried about him being too gassy. And even Sam Tristan said after the race that probably really going into it, it wasn't ideal that they were having to go somewhere like Cheltenham on, on their, their first goal. But, you know, at least he managed to get the job done. And yeah. Probably the best thing about it was he his jumping warm to it. Um, he was a little bit sticky early doors, but I think once he made a mistake, um, it was the making of him. And, and you know he was very very good on his feet then, and a very commanding performance to be fair. Because you know the second was four lengths behind, but was never in any danger of, of getting anywhere near him. Um, yeah. I think the horse to take out of the race was Getaway Trump. He was the one who, who travels, you know, like the winner turning in. He looked, he was all over him, and then he, he just completely exploded by the time mm -hmm. he got to the last. But that was a massive, massive return for Getaway Trump. And the way he jumped and traveled, um, you know, he was the real eye catcher, although finishing a very tired third in the end, he'll, he'll come forward from that. Would you be keen to, um, if they did meet again, would you be keen to side with Getaway Trump? I thought Getaway Trump, you know, he was just a little bit neater the other day. Just sort of, he hasn't got the tendencies maybe what Al Dancer can do. Because Al Dancer, maybe his his mentally, his mental sort of side of it can get the better of him at times. Whereas Getaway Trump looks a lot more straightforward. And mm. I wouldn't think that there's as many risks attached with him. But I, I definitely thought like he was he was the one to take out the race. And, and, and for me, I I'd be happier to be with, with Getaway Trump. He's, he's obviously got a bit to find as far as chasing goes, but I think potentially, yeah. potentially he probably just could go a bit deeper than Al Dancer. It was a fascinating race, Damo, wasn't it? Would you take either of them forward for an arc, or do you think we're going to see better? Uh, I'd, be, I'd be devastated if I didn't see any better than, than them two, to okay. be honest with you. Um, I Again, agree with everything Paddy said. Getaway Trump is the interesting one to take away from it, but the two horses, I think, are... they're they're. They're good handicappers. They'll 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 probably win a similar race to what St Calvados did just uh, today. Because I don't think I I think when they when they reach those those fever pitch races later on the season, I I'd be shocked now if the two of them were were good enough. I wouldn't be surprised if Al Dancer was good enough. Um, but you know, I'm interested to hear you both think that Getaway Trump is the one to take out the race. Um, I'm fascinated to see how they get on throughout the season. Um, now, it was a big weekend for bookmakers.co.uk's ambassador, uh, Keith Donoghue, racked up two rides and two winners with Battle Over Doyen and Eclair de Bofa. Uh, Damo, you caught up with him, so let's have a listen to uh, what he had to say about a great weekend for himself. Welcome back to the race hour. This is... Dermot Nolan here, and I'm joined on the line by none other than uh, top jockey and blogger extraordinaire now as well. How are you, Keith? Yeah, very good. Uh, keeping well, that. Keeping well, thank God, thank God. And you're, um, you've been blogging now for the last few weeks with the lads over in, uh, in bookmakers.co.uk, and it's it's all gone well so far, and it's kind of a jockey piece a small bit differently where we're, we're kind of trying to give uh, a proper insight into the life of being a jockey, Keith. Yeah, it's great, you know, I'm glad to sign up for it. Uh, bookmakers.co.uk and it's, it's all been going very well and you know it's, uh, I've been getting good publicity out of it which is good which is always always good Keith always good but again I'd say Tiger Roll has a bit of that covered for you anyway as well yeah 
think too many people know my name when he's for, when he's for Tiger or all, I think. <laughs> I wouldn't say that either, Keith. Uh, but the, um, the, one of the, the pieces, Keith, that has done very well, obviously your, your tend to follow was, was a big one as well, but the one that was kind of, obviously was quite close to your own heart is, the, is your own well-publicised uh, struggle with weight. Um, and you were saying in the blog, obviously not for your own benefit because, you know, you you kind of will struggle to get below eleven four, obviously. But with other jockeys out there, the the weights could definitely do with coming up a small bit for for these jockeys. Minimum weights in 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 maiden hurdles and handicaps, etc. Just because, as you were saying, the young jockeys are they're, they're just kind of getting bigger now, younger, aren't they? Yeah, that's 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 my opinion. I mean, like, I don't think um, like I think for me it'll make no difference because I'm always going to struggle with my weight. I just see younger jockeys starting off and they're all bigger, everyone's bigger bone these days and you know, they're all stronger and I just think for years to come in the long run, you know, to help jockeys to have a longer career, it could be best instead of, you know, jockeys having to put their career short because of weight. And um you even look at football teams and all there, like all the younger people coming on like minors are under twenty one. They they just look like senior footballers. Everyone's so bigger and stronger and uh definitely the same and it's kind of like your own case is quite interesting as well Keith because as you were saying in that blog like you had no weight issues really until that that, that femur break when you were 20, 21 years old wasn't it? Yeah like, like I started off when I was 16 and I done 8-12 on the flat and you know I, I, I knew no different I was I was eating bad food I had a bad diet but I knew no different I thought my weight grand. I didn't I didn't care I was going racing playing at 7 off 9 10 and it was easy then I just started getting a couple of breaks and, uh, you know, you're know, getting off a month or two and then you start growing. And then when I really hit 20 or 21 and I broke my femur and, that, you know, that really, I really kind of, my, I just grew into grew into my frame then, you know, that type of way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's, of course, uh, and again, and whilst it's, whilst it's a hard struggle, obviously, Keith, but getting up in the morning and knowing that you were going to be riding battle over dying at the weekend, I'd say those those few pounds weren't hard to lose on, on Saturday. Yeah, it actually, it's easier running extra miles when you've when you've good horses to good horses to ride. You know, they they give you the give you the buzz that you you'd run more. Um, obviously, it's a lot easier to lose weight and keep the weight right when you're riding good horses compared to riding a bad horse. You know, it's, it's like everything. Like. Of course, of course, of course. And again, that's that's all the the mental aspect of of being a yeah. jockey. And thankfully, over the next few yeah. months, we'll we'll go into more of all that as well at home because there's an awful lot of what you do, Keith, and what you kind of put yourselves through that the main part of the world just kind of doesn't see, really, isn't there? There is, yeah. There's so, so much men seen of what it doesn't see than a lad just getting abused because he gave a horse a bad ride. Yeah, you know, that type of ride, there's a lot more that we go on. and It is a very mentally tough sport. Like, you know, the, the ups and the downs, the injuries, missing winners, missing rides, missing, losing out on rides because of weight things going wrong it's, it is a very mentally tough sport like and it's uh, you know you're only you're only as good as your last winner and you don't be long being forgot about in this game of course not of course not you can see that regularly again we won't go into into names or anything else but there's there's quite a few jockeys that would have been riding in gold cups only a few years ago and just an injury or two and all of a sudden you're you're down the list and in Ireland yeah. as well particularly Keith it's a it's a hard place isn't it like it, if you fall down the pecking order at all there's there's so many good jockeys there and only so many yards that you can kind of quickly be be kind of on the sidelines for a while even without injury really can't you yeah like it's so it's so dominated by the few top trainers and there's only so many chances you can get like in them um, 
you know, I'm very lucky obviously to be in Gordon's and without Gordon I wouldn't be in wouldn't be in the in the tent getting a um, good horse like battle over Diana and like to them for getting a grade one winner on hand and getting on Tiger Roll um, and I'm just very lucky in the position I'm in and obviously I've always struggled with the weight in that but there's a lot of people that uh can do like weights and are very good riders but they just can't get the good opportunities and the good horses, you know, it's just it's all just a bit of luck as well. Of course, of course, of course. And uh, one man's problem is is not a problem for another man, as we all know, in these sports. And and for the weekend just gone, Keith, I'd say Battle Over Dying gave you some feel, I'd say. And you kind of look to be idling, if anything, jumping the last, really. But um, kind of that was that was a proper performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a brilliant performance. You couldn't have asked for better. We, we, knew, we knew going into it that we, we, we had, had only actually worked him three times and we knew he wasn't. He came back later than the others. We knew he wasn't fully right for us, but we kind of had to get him started off and it was a good place to start around Galway or two sticks and, and a bit of softer ground because he needs soft ground so it just kind of suited well whereas if you had to leave him another couple of weeks you'd be running too close to Dwinmore or something like that you know of course so we kind of had to get him going and then he when he jumped over the last and went up the hill he had a, he had a good blow with me and he probably just got a bit tired and then idled a bit up the straight but the ground was packy as well and it was, it was tiring ground you know anyway that was tiring ground so he couldn't be happier I think yeah because as you said directly after the race, he'll he'll kick on a lot for it. And would you see him as more of a three miler this season, or do you think he's he's kind of classy enough that, that he could mix it down at a let's let's call it a JLT trip or an RSA trip? It's kind of whatever way you wanted to go with him, really. Yeah, I'd say I'd say whatever 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 you want. He, like he, he's such a big stride on him. Like the other day, it didn't even speed like I was going fast. And when I looked back in the replay, I actually said. I probably went a bit too fast and maybe that's why he got tired <laughs> yeah. but he's just such a big stride on him it's just at his ease like I I, I think and he obviously I don't think he got a two miler you know but and he's two and a half to three miler I, I don't either all you know he, he's, not, he's not definitely an out and out three miler like. of course well sorry he, he probably will say three mile but he doesn't exactly need three miles yeah yeah of course of course of course and that kind of like as far as like long term planning goes, that just wouldn't be the case with him yet. It'll be just a simple situation, kind of probably similar to maybe Delta work last season, where you'll just kind of see how how high up the reckoning he goes himself, and then you'll make a decision with trips then kind of later on in the season. I, I assume. I'd imagine that, yeah. Like Gordon, Gordon, Gordon will uh, probably break keep them set. All the good novices are separated and just see where they go. Come telling them, you know that type of way. Of course, of course, of course. Perfect. And then Eclair de Buffo was as equally as an impressive winner. Obviously not in as good a race, but you'd you'd finished third behind, or he was second just ahead of you uh, before that when you rode advantage point. But he looked to really kick on from that run, Keith. Yeah, and um, we knew we knew in Punchstown that he he'd, he'd get tired that day because I was after I actually worked him before Punchstown and. He, he got very tired and we thought we could just give him a run anyway, you know, and a bit of experience over fences. So probably worth it better that he got beat the first day because he got a bit more experience then yesterday and went a good gallop yesterday and, you know, he cruised around the whole way and he couldn't have, he couldn't have done it any easier. And would he be something you'd, you'd imagine would end up in, uh, again, we're obviously not setting firm targets for him, but do you think he's better than handicaps or do you think that's kind of where he'd end up uh, by the end of the season? Because he, he kind of... He, he looked to really improve the the last day. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's hard to know and it's hard to know the depth of the race yesterday because he was only a handicapper over hurdles, you know, and it took him four or five goals to win a major hurdle. But he's had to take some jump forward yesterday. I know why this competition might be great, but to go that speed the whole way around and you know win at his ease, um, 
obviously, you know, he'll step up into into probably step up into grade three or grade two or so you'll know then where we stand. We stand, but still it's it looks a bit like exciting times with him. And then one horse that, that, that was ridden by Robbie Power, but one that we have discussed on your um on your blog before as well, Keith, is uh Champagne Classic. He he just he's going from strength to strength, isn't he? Yeah, he he looked really good and when he won in Fairy House from the beginning of chasing the same then yesterday, you know, in, in, in Westwood you couldn't have asked for for him to do it any easier and uh, obviously I'd say he could be he could be very good. He could be very good, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant and, and again, yeah, because even the Discorama in second there was I mean that's that's a fair form gauge as well and like Yeah, I, I know I know Alan Alan had had the run under his belt. Obviously Discorama didn't but I I think a run or not to this grammar wouldn't have made any difference yesterday. I don't think so either. No, just just with the way he put him away. And I'm a massive Discorama fan myself, but I thought that Champagne Classic was holding him every single inch of the way. Yeah. And oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. Even if Discorama have had a run, I don't think he'd improve enough to be. No, no, he's. Well, not on, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. Sure no. No. Oh gosh. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Anything can happen in the future. But it's another massive weekend ahead, Keith. And obviously, uh, we don't know who's who's riding what yet. Obviously, but um, we're facing into. The weekend really that, that that Gordon seems to just absolutely love it. He he's his entries left, right, and centre. But I've just picked five out here to ask you about. Uh, just going into the weekend, and one horse that you put up that you said could potentially be a dark horse in the staying novice division this season was um, was Fury Road, and he's all well. He's entered for Friday, and he's um, all work has been good since then, Keith. Yeah, he, he you know he's improved life, strengthened up over the summer, and I won a school and hurdle on him. Uh, last week in Perry House, and he, he jumped well, and he, you know, he felt really good. Um, I'd imagine he'd run Friday, but I'd say it'd be a worry if Envoy Allen ran in the same race as him. But hopefully, um, I'm not sure which day Envoy Allen will run. But Fury Road is definitely, definitely a good hot spot. I don't know if he'd be in the same league as Envoy Allen. Of course, of course, and that would be kind of Fury Road probably won't be seen at his best until he is stepped up to one of those real extreme kind of distance as well, probably. Yeah, well, it is two six on Friday, so that would, you know that would suit him. Um, that's sort of not sure if Emily Allen is running that race for the two mile on Saturday, but uh, he's he definitely definitely want to keep an eye out for, and I tell you, he'll improve from a run, and you'll see the better of him come Christmas. And then Keith, of course, the horse that everyone everyone keeps asking every single time we put it up about the blog is how is Envoy Allen? You obviously spoke very very well about him on the blog. You you seem to absolutely adore him and. He's as good as you've you've thought he was so far, anyway, Keith. He is. Yeah, he does. He does everything so easy at home, and um, just I didn't ride him much last year. You know, I didn't know much about the horse, and then he, I started riding him all the time this year, and I just fell in love with the horse. And uh, everything he does is just so easy, and he's just so powerful. You know, just everything that is easy. So it's, it's going to be good to see him starting off, and you know, see see how far he can go. Brilliant, 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 and it's uh, he's going to be one. I assume. Obviously, he he'll be a absolute weapon over hurdles as well. But it'll be when he properly steps up over fences is when we'll see what a real beast he is as well. Yeah, like even if he didn't, even if he, if he didn't even make the top this year over hurdles, but I've no doubt he probably will. But if he didn't, it wouldn't. You won't see the best of him until he gets the fence. Until he gets the fence, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And then another horse, Keith, that you seem to absolutely love. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't shut up about him last year on the on the race hour panel is uh is Core Sublime. Um he's just a phenomenal workhorse, Keith. Yeah, he he's he's serious workhorse. Obviously like he I don't know, like he 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 done a bit of work today and it was unbelievable. 
but then when he goes on to the track, he's not actually like at home, he travels and he does everything so easy. He's not actually taking Davey Russell in the races then, you know, and he, he looks slow and he looks a bit labelled, but whereas at home he's so many gears. But I just think he might be after manning up and strengthening up over the summer that he, he, he could be very good this time. Uh, yeah, because that was a that was a big run in the triumph, considering he he had far from a brilliant prep going into it. I mean, that was a huge performance. Yeah, he, yeah, he, you know, he he got far at Christmas and he spoke dirty after Gore, and then he just wasn't right. And it was, it was it was a good performance. And, you know, he was just unlucky to run into a horse on the day who went out and then won an entry. You know, so it just showed that the horse to beat him wasn't a fluke. And of course, and and the horse to finish fifth in that one the weekend as well. Kate Esteen so I kind of was saying all summer that I thought that that triumph hurdle might be a very good one and all signs so far are kind of suggesting that as well yeah it is yeah and so obviously it's stepping up into into in with five year olds in that race as well so it is a bit different than running against juveniles but yeah, I think he's after manning up a lot over the summer so hopefully we'll see the best one Brilliant. And then another horse obviously that everyone keeps asking about is um is Sam Crow, Keith. Um he's obviously, you know, there's no other way of putting it. Last season was a disappointment, but there's uh it could end up being the best thing for him. And uh, his his schooling has been has been good so far, I believe. Yeah, uh, I schooled him around Punchestown and you know, he's he's very good. He's just everything very, very, very easy to him. He's he's uh He's going well, and he just this year he looks to have a little bit of spark back in him which he didn't have last year. So we're, we're hoping, we're hoping that he's back to back to full form and that you can see the best of him. Like Dan Hossick had a had a missed a whole season. Well, sorry, he didn't miss a season, but a whole season over hurdles where he looked disappointed and he didn't. He was running worse than Samco was running, and he came back to win a gold cup. So hopefully Samco can do something the same. Yeah, and he's you kind of you know you don't lose being that talented that quickly, and the ground last season wouldn't have suited him all year anyway, Keith. So this could end up being a very good thing for him, like. Yeah, not yeah, not even the ground. Like he probably will go a nice ground, but it's just even just him scoping. He was never scoping right after he worked and after he was running, and he never looked good in himself. Whereas this year you can see shining, and he looks he looks at that spark back in him from the year before. You know when he was a, a novice hurdler. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And then one of the horses, Keith, obviously that 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 you've mentioned loads of times that that you're a big fan of is um is Delta Work. Um, he's making his comeback. You were saying in in your blog that that you felt that he was very unlucky not to win that RSA, and all his work is kind of would position him that he's a two to one price on Saturday. And I I would be mentioning on the podcast that I think that's a, a fantastic price. I obviously don't expect you to entertain the price talk at all, but he's he's as well as he's been uh, so far. Which anyway, Keith. He is, yeah. He's, he's trending up well over the summer, and he, look, he looks great. And you know, it's exciting to get him, get him started, and see, see where he fit. He's obviously have to see where he fits in, moving into open company. You know that type of way from novice, but he's he looks very exciting from his runs last year, and uh, he's probably improved a little bit this year. So hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. That's a lovely race to kind of to start off in as well, because well, it's obviously it is, but it's obviously going to be a very competitive race on Saturday as well. On Saturday as well, like you've you have no meat uh, road to respect, and the clan is over comes over, and um, even to to a is not a bad horse, and even like the Valford is over, and then they're after having to run. That, you know, it's not, it's not going to be any walkover anyway. No, oh God, of course not. And uh, Clandazobo mightn't run well at Cheltenham, but all his form coming up to Cheltenham last year, he just mightn't actually like the track like a lot of horses because all his all his runs before that were that of a top class animal. So you'll know an awful lot more after Saturday about him anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then, 
And then of course, Keith, then we'll finish up. There's only one horse then that we can finish up with, and that's uh, that's your old buddy, Tiger Roll. He's he's uh, as quiet in himself as he he usually is at this time of the year, I'd say, is he? Yeah, he's just tipping away well. Um, you know, right about there, most ones. He's just still going steady way. Obviously, he came back later than the others because there's no real panic on him, and he was busy being a celebrity all summer, so he needed a bit of a break. <laughs> but touch wood, everything is going well, and um. I think Gordon said that he might run over hurdles at Christmas, so hopefully we see him then. And if not then, I said if he doesn't make Christmas, he'll definitely be the buying hurdles. So it'll be uh, all systems go. Hopefully for Cheltenham then. All systems go, and please God, now he can he can knock out the three in a row. Well, thanks very much for joining us here on the race hour, Keith, and uh, best of luck with the with the weekend and the season ahead. Thanks very much. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Okay, welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Well done, Dermo there, catching up with Keith Donahue. Really exciting times for him. Uh, a couple of really nice rides he got on there, Dermo. And there's some fascinating horses out for the Elliott Yard this weekend. Um, we are going to have a chat now about some of the races coming up. We'll obviously stick to the uh, TV Saturday races. If anyone has on this panel uh, something they want to shout out elsewhere, do feel free. Um, why don't we kick off with the Labrooks Champion Chase? Uh, it's Champion Chase by name but not by trip it's over three miles of town royal uh coming up this weekend uh delta work looks like it's going to line up there as we just were uh talking with keith as well um i'd be very interested to see what jockey gets up here i don't think i've seen david russell on a gigginstown horse for some time dammer yeah the whole thing is very interesting i mean obviously uh we didn't discuss it with keith for for natural reasons it's none of his business and on on 2fm last night here in ireland gordon elliott was on and it was um it was just kind of how, how little was kind of spoken about it obviously as well because again it's not Gordon business either. But it's the whole thing just seems mad. Um he, he hasn't been used now since August and this isn't the it, they have what we'd call a complicated relationship, Dean. And <laughs> it mm. seems to have, have taken a turn again because I mean you're looking since Alpha de Zobo, as far as my reckoning goes, is the last time that Davy Russell has ride a, has ridden a horse for Gigginstown. And that was his only ride since Mengli Khan, I believe, since the Galway Plate. So it just, the whole thing seems very, very strange. Um, whatever's going on, there's, there's a real plethora of different jockeys being used. Uh, Keith Dunne, who thankfully is, is getting his just desserts with, with a few rides, which he deserve anyway. Sure. But just the whole thing seems very interesting, doesn't it? As, uh, as in what's, what's kind of happened, like... Oh, well, I assume, you know, when now the big guns are starting to come out for Gordon, likes of Delta work this weekend and others around the places, um, it's going to start to look a little bit more odd, unless there is nothing in it, and he is dropped up this weekend on Delta work, which could happen, because I don't know what's going to happen. That's it, exactly. So if that happens, this whole thing is, is null and void, and it was just one of those things where Gordon wanted, um, you know, his man, Keith Onu, who he rates uh, out of this world highly, he just wanted him up on board. But... It, it feels a bit more than that now to have this many Gigginstown horses coming out, uh, rides that kind of would have been his, and um, he just he just doesn't seem to be on on absolutely any of them. Um, so hopefully it is just one of these things. It's mm. just uh, a strange conundrum 
and it'll sort itself out. But I don't know. I'd be the way it's looking to me anyway here at this moment. I uh, I'd be surprised if he's on. Uh, Delta work the weekend really, to be honest. Yep. Yep, um, that's what I say. I mean, the fascinating point of it is like, who they're going to declare? Because there's also there's also Alpha Dezobo uh, in their road to respect. You'd imagine would be uh, Flanagan or Flanagan, yeah, yeah, or Snow yeah. Falcon would be Flanagan because they're both no meat sources. Uh, that Labrooks Champion Chase, um, Paddy, with Delta work in it uh, over the three mile trip, it's going to be great to see him. But he could be facing Clan Dezobo, Road to Respect, Snow Falcon, Alpha Dezobo. I mean, he's priced up two to one favorite. There are a number of uh, Kingstown runners in there. You'd imagine they thin out a little bit and we might not have a big field but a great race in store yeah it certainly is um i mean clandazobo he was you would say a little bit disappointing in the gold cup and then when they ran him at entry to me it really looked like he was just picking up the pieces really um yeah you know nonetheless he was he looked much better last year he maybe he maybe didn't finish off the season very well um and then people were always he, he had that Cheltenham sort of box to take that he still hasn't done yet um so it'd be interesting to see if he does that this year but it, it looks like he's an intended runner um Obviously, we've got Lasher's yeah. winner in there, Road to Respect. I was just reading what Eddie had said. Obviously, is Delta work in there. And then he said Alpha de Zobo, uh, he's pretty sure will go. And then maybe Shattered Love and Mingley can. But, I mean, they've got seven of the nine entries, haven't they, in Jigginstown? They do, yeah. I mean, we could end up with four or five runners here, but it would still be a good race. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Um, I mean, Del- Delta work, I mean, he was very, very workmanlike when he won here last year uh, on debut over fences. But at least he is one, one around the track. I mean, he is rated 163 he's got a very lofty rating um snow falcon he's 160 but you know he goes in this ground for snow falcon he he loves it uh up and down royal so you know it's certainly not a penalty kick for for delta work and you know for such an, er- an early season race a race where we've got to remember that paul nichols is really farmed and he's not farmed it for a while um but he has done very very well in it in the past so it's uh it's pretty wide open i think it's interesting. He's actually got seven pounds to find on ratings with Clandazoba. And I think if Delta Work doesn't beat this field, unless he gets beat by Clandazoba, I think it'd be a disappointing return, Damo. Yeah, I think so as well. Now, like, he was at pains, obviously, in that interview to point out how good a race it is and that, you know, he is stepping up to senior level. So he, he will have his few pounds to find. But you're just... I, I really do think that those first three from that RSA last season are very, very good horses to treat him. So this is the first kind of test of it all the noises coming from the Elliott stable have been that the horse is in great form uh Clandazobo, I just don't think he likes Cheltenham I think every other piece of form of his is quite strong and Paddy's right he was just bottomed out after that race then but like like he's a serious challenger as is Road to Respect who it's hard to believe is still only eight years old you know like he, he's not an old horse whatsoever and these this is the, the, the kind of time of the year when Road to Respect really stamps his authority down so it's a very interesting race mm-hmm. but i i do think that like i think he's the best horse in the race and two to one is yeah i'd be i can see why you'd be backing it but the one thing that i'd be worried about is is that gordon has all out of the blue now all of a sudden last night and today started speaking about the other race on the car the uh, daily mirror chase as being an option so yeah um i definitely would be holding fire but if he was two to one on the day d night i'd be lashing into that anyway 
See, if he comes here and takes on what is probably the most solid group of yardsticks you're going to find racing at this time of the year and wins, I mean, it's a real stamp of uh, what they expect from Delta Wert this season. It's a fascinating race. He's 2-1, to 9-4 to four, uh, for Klanders Oba at the moment. And then you've got Road to Respect at 3-1. to one. They are the three market principles. Um, you wouldn't rule out a big run from any of the likes of Balco de Flo or Shattered Love or um, an Alpha de Zobo. And that's what I mean. So whoever wins this got to go to war with a few very... Um, well, let's say consistent yeah. animals that always put in uh, runs in the, in, the, in the high numbers. So, uh, yeah, I really can't wait for that. I'm not sure I'd be having a bet in it. You're quite keen on Delta Worker 2 to 1. I'd, I'd be happy to, to watch it, but wow, I'm really looking forward to it. That is a belter of a contest. There's some really good racing um, around uh, the country in England as well, of course, with Ascot. And I might start with the 245 at Ascot, the Sedetsko Handicap Hurdle. It's a listed contest. A um, few horses here that perhaps didn't quite reached the levels they wanted to last year that interests me um, the market's headed at the minute by Red Force One who could be anything for Paul Nichols I mean he's got a bit to find on on perhaps ratings and stuff but Ajali for Nicky Henderson I know he's always thought a lot of that and it didn't quite hit the levels they wanted uh, Dan Mead is in there for Dan Skelton did they leave you out too is the one I like for Nick Gifford and I think we spoke about him on here before and he was an on-runner and bad bad ground so if the ground is suitable I imagine they might come for that off his rating of 135 you have to remember he beat Thomas Darby um, at this track last season so I mean Thomas Darby obviously went on in there and made that look rather good now he's an in and out kind of performer but I think there's a decent race of him probably at Ascot off 135 if Nick Gifford's got him tuned up what do you like Demo? Yeah Dean the exact same uh, kind of hovering over him as uh, towards my nap at the weekend oh my god we are in trouble if I mean, that is the case <laughs> <laughs> we've, 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 we've given the poor horse a 10 pound penalty here Demon myself and you liking him uh, but the um, like all his like all his wins in his career have come in October mm. or November. Uh, sorry, like this side yeah. of Christmas, let's say. Uh, that's when all his best runs are coming. They're also coming at Ascot, uh, both his wins. Uh, last season, he beat Thomas Darby, who, who went on to run an absolute blinder, obviously, at uh, at Cheltenham. He just seemed to go wrong thereafter. And uh, the Galway, or, or the race at Galway, just kind of everything happened far too quickly. And he was weak enough in the market that day also. So, like... He's definitely a horse um, who has untold potential. Um, and last year, he came in and won that first race at Fakenham of a 231-day break. So the break and everything else hmm. coming into this is no problem. He loves the track. He acts best here at a mark of 135 at 10-1. to 1. You'd have to think that he's better than that team. Yeah, that's my thinking. I mean, uh, there's a few others I like in the race. List was was well thought of by Alan King, but perhaps now got the rating to go with that um, reputation, probably. Ajali, you wouldn't think there's loads of room, but you never know with Nicky Henderson. And I don't really know what to make of Red Force 1. Paddy, did you have a look at this race? Yeah, Red Force 1 uh, that you mentioned there, I think he's obviously got an awful lot to prove, but he hasn't had that many goals, to be honest. Last year, he was just trying to get the job done too quick, and he just wasn't finishing off his races. Um, this time around, the, the other day, he looked much better, and I think a better race will suit him as well. He's got a, a lovely racing weight at 10-6, but you know, he's just not a slow horse, and sometimes it can be his undoing, because he can, can be a little bit racy, but even the other day, he was, he was much better um, you know he wasn't as impressive in the end because he completely missed the last of faking him but so many horses do that because uh, it's such a small tight track and the crowd are right in on top of you but he's only a four year old and I do think in a better race with more runners to just keep his mind focused on the job it'll really bring out the best in this horse and I think off his mark you know he has got a big day. he's got a big Saturday race in him at the minute but 
Yeah. I also respect the, the, the Nick Gifford horse because I think this is the time to catch him. He do, he has shown form around Ascot. Um, I mean, his season completely tailed off last year, um, but early doors was the time to catch him, and he has really shown. Although he, he finished well behind Al Dancer in, in um, round Ascot on, on one occasion. Yep. Prior to that, you know, his form is very good. And just This just might be the time to catch him, but the thing is, Nick Gifford has so few runners it's always difficult to get a gauge on the yard form. Yeah, that's true. And I, I tend to find with Nick Gifford, and I may, I don't know if this stats back me up or not, but I like them to have two or three runs before I get involved. Now, I'm just hoping he's an edge case in the yard, considering he's gone well fresh before, and this is a decent pot to be aiming at early. Um, but generally, I like to see a Nick Gifford horse run two or three times before I think they're peaking, because they just seem to get them absolutely spot on by going to the track, which is not a bad thing. Um, so yeah the one I am worried about is Red Force 1 but I did think that Leave You Out 2 is going to go is going to get involved and at 10 to 1 as Derma pointed out I thought that might be the value in the race the bookmakers are a little bit scared of Red Force 1 in here at around 6, 7 to 1 um, now if that was to get punted then Paul Nichols knows he's got a horse with plenty in hand so we will we will find out um, a really good race any others you want to mention in there Demo, or shall we move on shall, shall move on Dean I'm a, I'm a one horse man Okay, well, why don't we have a look at the Sedexco Gold Cup? Keep it in the Sedexco uh, sponsorship family. That's at 3.20 at Ascot, another three-mile race. Um, maybe one of you guys can tell me, but Mr. Malarkey, we were only talking about this horse, yeah. uh, perhaps for that Labbrooks Trophy. Um, I'm assuming they can do both races because the time in between them. But um, if he was to line up here, I think he'd be very tough to beat, um, along with Vindication, who, uh, Paddy, I think you're a fan of Vindication for Kim Bailey. Yeah, I do like Vindication. Um, I mean, I just think really he does lack a gear of Vindication, so he wa he does want a well-run race, but mm. I think he's got plenty of ability. His I won't say his jumping was found out, but he was just not as slick at times. Um, you know, to say he has jumped around some nice tracks, he was found out in the end. But I mean, look, he's obviously. He's had a summer off. He's a, he's a six year old, still very very young as far as as far as chasing goes. Um, there could be any amount of improvement. And the Kim Bailey team did a nice winner there at the weekend, so they're obviously pretty far forward and and, and probably where he wants them to be at the minute. Yep. Um, for me, Dermo, the race is between those two. I mean, did you like anything else in the field, or do you want to talk about the top two in the market? It's a serious uh, serious field as always for this race. I think this this race always kind of whets the appetite going into the weekend because there's. There's so many very, very decent horses there. Um, you know, uh, like it's, it's, but the the top two are so interesting. Uh, Mr. Malarkey, as you said, and it's mad just how much um Black Court is actually concertina the whole weights if he he does run. Yeah, if he come, exactly. If he comes out now, that's 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 really changing the whole outlook of the race. Because I mean, vindication, he'd nearly feel like he's running free off ten stone nine. Um. And Mr. Malarkey as well. It's it's just the whole race because Gary Moore as well. He he's often unleashed a horse that's been primed for his life for for this race as well. Um, and that Larry horse, I'm not sure really how good he is at all, at all. But um, mm -hmm. they're in great form and they've often unleashed. But one horse I haven't backed anything Antipost for this, but just reading the uh, stable tours, even though most of the time those stable tours aren't worth anything. Uh, but Nicky Henderson said that on the blind side just had had a horrific year last year. Just nothing went right for him, really. And that he thinks he has him yeah. back to his best. So if on the blind side was to rock up here off a mark of 149, I'd, I'd find it hard not to back him because I think he, he's he's up to the level of, of a vindication or a Mr. Malarkey. He just had a bad year, which 
we've all had and a lot of horses have had as well. He's still only seven years old. So off that mark, I think there's definitely races to be won with him. So I'd wait for him to be declared. But if he is declared on the day, I'll definitely be backing um, on the blind side. It's Aso, isn't it? That, that uh, I mean, Aso's jocked up because uh, he's top weight, isn't he? So if, if if but he is jocked up, so hopefully, like I say, he is jocked up. So them other horses that you were talking about, Dermo, they're going to have real, real competitive racing ways in Malarkey ten eight and, and Vindication ten nine, and you know even even Nikki's horse that you mentioned, they're ten seven. You know, it's it's the, the them boys will be chuffed a bit if if um if Aso turns up. Hundred percent, yeah, but. but even if he doesn't, then you're just praying to God the black carton does then, because <laughs> there's only five, there's only five pounds between them. So I think they they'd be delighted with one yeah. of them. But sorry, yeah, Aso is the one who's car, who's making the way there. He is jocked up, so fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, Aso has Charlie Deutsch um, dropped up off that 11 stone 12. <laughs> Obviously, a very very good horse. He's going to have to run off a mark of 168 in this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some other ones in here that, you know, given previous thoughts about the horse and, you know, performances, uh, I mentioned Rock the Casbah last week and didn't run a Cheltenham, but he's in there at 150. He'll have a nice racing weight if those top weights stay in and is the type of horse that can pop up and win a race like this off that mark. You've got Adrian DuPont there, who was considered uh, to be pretty special by Paul Nichols at one point. He's off 149 of 10.7. This race is going to take some sorting out, certainly at this stage as we look at the decks. I'm not surprised they've got Vindication, Mr. Malarkey, and on the blind side and um, pretty sure in it would you i'm going to nail you to a selection derma you're going on the blind side if it runs right on the blind side if it runs definitely yep paddy if it was right now and that was the field uh, well, I mean, you know, we mentioned Aso there a minute ago. The, the, the boys would be chuffed if he turns up. But the thing about Aso is he's a serious weight carrier. And I mean, that was a massive run where he ended the season last year where he chased home Frodon. Oh, yeah. Um, but the thing about Aso, he's a giant of a horse. So he's well up to carrying, carrying weight. Uh, so I don't think Connections will have any worry about the uh, the 11 stone 12. But I mean, Black Horton, he always goes well fresh. Um, he still is only eight, an eight year old. Um, there were several in there. Vindication, he's a course winner. Mark of 151. Like we mentioned, got a lovely, lovely racing weight. And he's only six year old, so even fresher legs again. Um, I think I would probably have to stay with Vindication because I was very keen on him last year. And I just think maybe, you know, his, I won't say just the lack of mileage on, on his clock just maybe caught him out a bit deeper into the season. But it'd be interesting to see how far he can go this time around. Yeah, I think I'd side with you as well with Vindication. I wonder whether Mr. Malarkey's in here because they've seen the top weight's going to give him a lovely race and weight, which doesn't mean he won't win. I just thought maybe they'd be going for the Labrook as a first port of call. Maybe he needs a run. It's hard to know, isn't it? Um, it's going to be a cracking race. I'd probably side with Vindication. I will keep an eye on Dermos on the blind side. But I mean, any number of horses could come back and uh, deliver there. We've got some really nice prospects in the Sodexco Gold Cup handicap. Um, yeah, very tricky race. Okay, so let's move on then to the Bet365 Charlie Hall chase. That goes to post at Weatherby at 3.40. Another three-mile contest. I love these. Um, interesting if the mayor turns up here, Le Bagara, uh, for Warren Great Tricks because um, it's taken a massive chunk out of the market. A couple of uh, double declarations as well. Keep an eye on Black Courtons also entered up in here, Dama. But if the mayor turns up, does she win? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced, no. Um, I think she's a very, very good mayor, uh, don't get me wrong, but there, there's an awful lot again of kind of early season wonders here as well. Uh, you know, you've got the likes of a, a definitely Red, who who he's just a superstar at this time of the year. He really is, and at this sort of a grade, as well as that, Brian Ellison can't seem to stop training winners of late. Um, 
He had Forrest Behan, who he tipped up in the podcast as well last week, and they're all they're all absolutely flying. So uh, three to one for Labagawa. I'm I'm she gets all the weight. She's very classy. Don't get me wrong at all on that. But there's one horse here that I'm very enthused to back, and it's a friend of the podcast, Michael Luby, um, was involved in the breeding of this horse, and it's Top Bill Ben. Uh, now he <coughs> he um. He ran his race last year. He ran no sort of a race, really, in the RSA. It all ended very quickly for him. But the, the thing is that he ran some huge races at tracks just like this. Um, he ran a massive race as well behind loss in translation at the Aintree Festival. Between then, he won at Wetherby. And you're looking at a horse here who I saw a video there online about him from the Philip Kirby yard. And this is his Gold Cup for the year. Uh, you know, even the likes of Lavaca Wad, they'll all be trained uh, towards this race, but she'll definitely be peaking towards a Kempton, as will the other horses. And I just think at eight to one for a horse that this is the race that he is going to be going all out for. I think it's a big price to not to be ignored in. Could upset a few uh, more fancied horses. And it's Topville Ben for Philip Kirby. Paddy, what did you make of the Charlie Hall? Yeah, I think. Dermo says there about Topville Ben. I think Philip Kirby, you get the impression he's maybe hoping he can catch some of these a bit cold on Saturday. Um and, and maybe just nick a grade too. He's no back number, but Philip Kirby said in his own words, if he's not good enough, he's not good enough. Um but it certainly could be a, a, a nice plan on Saturday. But it's a real deep race. Uh, definitely red. You've you've got to respect um the mayor of Warren Greatrex is La Bagaroy. She's won a, a listed hurdle around here. She's two from two at the track, and you just cannot be taken with her. Her attitude, she's very brave. She's very tough. She's a real good jumper. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult to knock her. I thought the horse of Twiston Davis's Bally Optic, he looked very impressive on his return 21 days ago. He's a course and distance winner as well. So, I mean, this could be, and hopefully is, quite a deep Charlie Hall. Yeah, do you know what? I really like Ballyoptic's chance in this race. Uh, all respect to the, uh, the the ones with the bigger weights to carry and the, the class the classy types like Definitely Red, Black Court, and if it turned up, Elegant Escape, who we haven't mentioned yet, possibly going to line up here for Conor Tizard. He's jocked up with Tomasa Bryan already and Le Bagawa. But Ballyoptic's run uh, beating Lil Rockefeller, I thought was very good and you know previously this is a horse we were talking about could go to the top three nine years old now if that's the act got together and a bit of confidence under the belt um i'd imagine bally optic will run well because like, you, you stopped the race at the second last at chepstow you would never ever say that bally optic is is going to clear away and win by nine lengths especially being, being chased by a strong finisher himself a little little rocker fella um yeah yeah I, I thought that was it was a real real decent effort yeah, it does look a very deep contest. I mean, should we mention Elegant Escape? This is this is one that, you know, has been talked about. It's only seven, uh, will be eight as we turn the year. Um, you know, potentially a Gold Cup type in this field. I wouldn't have him down as a Gold Cup horse, no, Dean. I think he's, uh, I think he's a real, real stayer. I think he, he needs to come back down the handicap a small bit. And I, I, again, to mention the Welsh Grand National for the 16th time in this podcast over the last few weeks, I, I think he's won for the likes of that. I think he's even a bit too slow for a Gold Cup, in my opinion. 
Well, I mean, he finished. What did he finish? He finished sixth in it, did he? Yeah. Behind album photo, and then really, you know, let let everyone down. I think at Aintree and probably just had way too much. But had gone to war a few times, like you know, against size in Tennessee and in the Hennessy the Labrook, and then uh, Ramsey's Detelier in that Welsh National. So I mean, I, th- I know we found fifteen different winners of the Welsh National coming up this year, which is great. <laughs> it's always where we throw horses that are not going to make the top <laughs> level. But uh, Elegant Escape is in there at nine to two, and we'll definitely have supporters uh, if indeed you know. Tomas is, uh, is dropped up for Colin Tizard and that's where they go. So a fascinating Charlie Hall in prospect. Um, let's let's now, Colours, you're going for top field. Ben, Paddy? Uh, for me, I'm, I'd, I'd go uh, Baddy Optic. I just think if he can back up the Chepstow run, um, you know, for a nine-year-old, he still is. He's only had 11 starts over fences. There, there, there could be a real nice one in him. I'm going to go with Bally Optic 2 at the current prices. Uh, that would be my shout for it. But again, another race with uh, m- multiple different ways it could turn out. And it's going to, going to set a bit of pecking order for a few of these. And um, we'll be interesting to review it all next weekend. Another race I want to talk about also at Weatherby is that Bet365 hurdle. It's the grade two there. Um, two horses at the top of this market is Bally Andy and, you know what I mean, Harry. Two I've never really warmed to or wanted to win any races. They've won plenty, so that hasn't helped me out. Um, a fascinating race here, Dan. One that maybe I probably won't be getting too stuck into. I do think the World's End is a horse that can reach higher levels than it has No, so no. I think if you have any IKEA bit of furniture as the build or anything else, by the time this race starts and finishes, you'll probably have a whole shelf built. So no, uh, if you've seen me I'd, do that, uh, demo, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be uh, I'd be more than happy now to 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 leave this race run. Uh, you know what I mean, Harry? 11 years old, um, second favourite for a grade two still. Pretty remarkable animal, isn't he? Oh, he's an absolute phenomenal horse altogether. And, and even, you know, Harry Fry's daughter is named after him and everything else. He's there. Uh, sorry, that was rock on Ruby. Uh, I hope <laughs> I hope his daughter is not called Harry. But uh, the... Uh, Harrietta. He was just saying that the uh, the two horses likes are rock on Ruby. And you know what I mean, Harry? To have the uh, have the two of them to come along at once like that, it, it, it's just great yeah. for a young trainer and he's brought them to all the big days so it'd be great to, to see him win again but he's to give six pounds to Bally Andy so you'd be kind of be avoiding that but it's uh, it's a race again the world's end is in it but the rain they've had a weather beat the, the ground's going to be far too soft for him um, so it's just it's a race I'm I'm very happy to just to let run I do hope Two Tafts uh, gets back out for Dan Scout. I'm looking forward to him returning after a couple of years away. Uh, Paddy, did you have any big thoughts on this race? I mean, I, I mentioned, you know what I mean, Harry, you know, Mark Walsh got no win at Punchestown last year. I mean, he's 11 years old, turned 12 as we hit Christmas. Yeah, he really is. But, you know, he's got a good record fresh as well. You know what I mean, yeah. Harry? Um, I know he's 11 year old, but you can't exactly say he's had a desperately hard life. I mean, he's he's run 31 times for 11 year olds. Um, that's not bad at all. <laughs> He is, I mean, this race, it really, I think it's going to maybe go the same way as what it did last year. It cut up very badly. There were only five runners last year, and it ended up, you know, it was won by a, a handicapper of, of, of Philip Kirby's nautical nitwit, really. Um, I think mm. as well this year, Sam Twiston is jocked up on Bally Andy, and Adrian Heskin is jocked up on the world's end. It could go the same way. Um, we're going to have a pretty small field. For me, I was going to go in again here with the Twiston team because I thought it was a good return by Bally Andy, although he did get tired I didn't think it was a bad effort 
uh, three weeks ago. Hopefully, it will have just left them spot on. But I do just think that it's a race that is just going to fall apart a little bit, I'm afraid, runners-wise. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't. But, you know, we've seen some pictures. I drove past Weatherby the other day. And as, as always, when it floods down the back straight, it's a complete washout. And I know we, we've seen pictures since that it has dried up. But still, the water has had to go somewhere. And it's it's gone into the ground. So it's, it's going to be very, very testing. And, and like I said, I think we're going to have a pretty small field. Yeah, possibly so. Domo will be uh, building some kind of uh, shelf in his uh, in his apartment. <laughs> I think when when that race is going on. Um, okay, there is um, there are some other races, of course, that are of interest. I'll give everyone a chance to maybe shout something out across them. I found one in the two ten at Ascot, which is the Burn Group Handicap Chase, a listed race there. Um, I thought Diego de Charmille was an interesting. He got one entry for Paul Nichols this weekend um, off a of marker one fifty. Think he can carry the weight there and knock a few of these into touch. I'm not sure it's the best group I've ever seen. I'd imagine Sparadek if it runs will set some serious fractions, and that'll really suit Diego de Charme. He's ten to one for that two ten at Ascot. That was one I wanted to throw out there. Um, I see Champagne Platinum, who's been schooling around with Defi de Soy, is entered up for the 135. Lady Buttons can go in the 155 at Weatherby. Um, what did you like out there, Dermo, in the supporting cards? Yeah, supporting cards, yeah. Again, there's 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 just such brilliant racing and we obviously it's a it's a word we won't mention here or a phrase even but the breeder's cup is on as well you know it's a it's an absolutely superb never heard of it weekend of racing i never heard of it and yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> but that, <laughs> it's a point to point paddy yeah it's it's ran over there in uh in jersey paddy <laughs> <laughs> but the um but the 120 at Weatherby, uh, a horse that I've always liked uh, and just seemed to really go off the boil for Alan King is River Frost, uh, who's a horse that knocked up a sequence, was fifth off a mark of 142 in an early season handicap last year at Chepstow and just kind of never seemed to run a race again afterwards. He's gone to Ben Haslam, uh, who's very good with these horses, with the likes of him now coming from uh, JP McManus. He, he kind of tends to get the horses that are, are on the way down and tries to bring them back up again. He's had two unbelievably quiet runs for Ben Haslam, six to six and four to four. But that has meant that his, his mark has skyrocketed down to 125. He's 16 to one here for this race. Uh, I'm not saying he definitely runs. I don't know. But when it, when he does go out and when the money does start coming for him, uh, for Ben Haslam, he's he's on way too low a mark now. Um, so he, he, he will win one. And I think off a mark of 125, if he was to turn up into the handicap, He'd basically be running free, um, and I think he'd be he'd be very very interesting. And then the other horse that that I've been interested to see come out again, um, especially here at Down Royal because he really seems to love it, is the 150 at Down Royal on Saturday. It's a horse that we've gone to a few parties with before, Dean. It's um it's Golden Spear, um, but he's he's still only rated 136. His last run here at this track, he won. And I just think this this handicap hurdle, which is the 150 on Saturday, isn't the best affair in the world. And uh, was he'll be shouldering a bit of a weight, um, he's well up to it. And Tony Martin's horses continue to run well. Okay, um, might join you with Golden Spit. I've been to that party so many times, I've never had a good time. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure I want to row in. Um, just to mention River Frost, if you just add it up, his, uh, his distance is beaten in his last three runs. I think it's 113 lengths, Demo, in three runs. So, uh, oh, yeah, if he's you, in the form of his life. He's in the form if you, of his yeah, life. If you do pull that one out of the bag, uh, we'll all owe you something. Uh, Paddy, anything else you wanted to pick out from those supporting races? Before we do talk about some of the 
big guns that are entered we assume are going to run there are the likes of Envoir Allen Andy Dufresne Sam Crow and uh, the of course the race hour sponsor Honeysuckle uh, likely to run this weekend yeah, there was one other quick one in one of the novice hurdles, the half two, the bet 365 novice hurdle at Weatherby. Um, there was a horse in there of Charlie Longson's called Old Jeroboam. Um, he is a course and distance winner. I see he's jocked up in Coleman, is down to ride him, was ridden him in the past. He was probably too lucky to win on debut. He just managed to get up and collar one of John Quinn's when he won his bumper at Weatherby. And John Quinn's horse, he was positively ridden and was sent for home. And he probably just ran out of gas a little bit. And, and and Charlie Longs' horse got up and get him got up on the line and got him should I say but he has won twice since then um, at Suggle and then he won his return at Worcester uh, all pretty low key stuff I mean I don't value Worcester form much at all or Suggle if I'm honest but nonetheless this gelded by Jeremy he's, he's only five year olds I think he's pretty decent and, and like I say Aiden's jocked up to, to ride him and it's not a bad novice hurdle so we'll find out an awful lot more about him on Saturday if he yeah, does yeah a horse possibly going paces that is old Jeroboam uh, scheduled to run 2.30 at Weatherby Dermo um, Envoir Allen Andy Dufresne Sam Crow and Honeysuckle uh, not not too shabby no no it wouldn't be a bad looking 15 no doubt at all uh, but the um, yeah uh, you could hear Keith speaking there how much he just adores Envoir Allen so there's, there's uh, thank god horses don't don't feel that pressure because he would definitely be going out kind of uh, sweating now with all the all the hyperb hyperbole flying around about him he's he's just such a superstar clearly um andy dufresne will be interesting as well wherever he turns up uh sam crow obviously as well the way the way keith spoke about him there having the having the light back in in his uh in his coat and just being a bit more peppy again it's great to hear and dean this um honeysuckle starting point for the season that doesn't scream uh mare's mare's hurdle horse does it i mean this, this screams uh we'll try and see how high she goes and we'll have a go at the champion hurdle route perhaps doesn't it she goes high, I think. Um, I did say, I think, on a previous podcast, my only concern about us wading into her for the mares is that she's too good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they do go elsewhere. Um, this is a good tester for her. It's on Friday at Down Royal in the WKD hurdle. Um, I'd imagine she's going to be favourite, Demo, will she? Her and Course of Lime, another horse that uh, Keith mentioned as well. That's that's a proper test for both of those horses. Uh, Course of Lime... Um, is a horse, as Keith always said, is the best workhorse in that yard. And he thinks yeah. he's grown up mentally enough now that he might start translating that. Because he just said that, as you heard b- before, that that he can he can go move up through the gears effortlessly at home. But on the course, he looks slow. But he's always thought that that was just kind of mental with him. And he, he's grown up a lot. So, yeah, it's a proper test between them both. But, dear God, it'd be hard not to back Honeysuckle again anyway. Yeah, I mean, you could you could throw up as the nap of the weekend, but I wouldn't do that to her. Um, we've we've jinxed her before and uh, and and put her in a bad place. So um, let's just hope she gets out there and uh, and slams the field, and then they immediately dismiss champion hurdle claims because this was just a warm up and for the mess, which is what we want to hear. Um, all right, lads, we're going to need a nap of the weekend from you all before we do uh, shut down the race hour. Brought to you by Bookmakers.co.uk for this week. Uh, Dermot, I'll let you go first. Uh, did you leave you out? Two or whatever the hell is it? Did they leave you? Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's how you say it. And um, uh, now you've said it. That was my nap of the weekend. We are in trouble with that horse. Uh, listen, listeners, if it goes wrong, Dermo said it yeah. first. Only if uh, declared. Paddy, only if declared. Only if declared. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Paddy, Paddy. I'm gonna go in against Dermo in the same race with. Oh no! Yeah, I'm gonna go with Paul Nichols first. Um, Red Force One. Like I say, I just think a better race will sue him down to the ground. He has got to step up. 
But if Aso turns up 10 stone 6 on his back for this 4-year-old, um, I'd hope he'd run very well. Okay. Um, I like Diego de Charmil as well in that 210 at Ascot. So if uh, you know, maybe I'd try and take the jinx off off Dermo and put that in there at another double-figure price. All right, let's hope we do as well as we did uh, last weekend, chaps. It was a very solid weekend of tipping, especially a few days out from the weekend action. We've got another brilliant weekend of racing. It's been a delight to have Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel on the Race Hour podcast this week, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, those lads in the Turks and Caicos Islands, you still never told us who you were, so do do that. Um, if you have any questions for us, always fire them in to the bookmakers handle or at uh, the underscore race hour. And uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. Thanks, lads. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews.